Hello and welcome to another edition of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Justin. I'm Wyatt. Let's get into it. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. Been an exciting season of football so far. So why don't we jump right into things. First off, Le'Veon Bell has been released. Justin, where do you think he's going to go? Boy, I don't know if he goes anywhere. At this point, what do you th- what do you think? You got a landing spot for him? I don't know if there's anywhere that wants him that badly. I would guess he's wherever he's going is probably just a backup spot at this point. Yeah, that's probably true. I just wonder, like, what's it mean for the Jets? I mean, I long- Frank Gore cannot possibly be a long term solution. So I wonder if maybe like now's the time to grab P Ryan. You think? Maybe, but I bet Gase goes and gets Balaj again. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, none of them really move the needle anyway. Like, it's still the Jets and Adam Gase. It's just, it's so interesting for it to happen like that, like almost out of the blue, for him to come back, be healthy. I'm shocked they couldn't find a trade partner even for a sixth-round pick or something like that. I I think that uh, relationship was just fractured coming into the season, then there was no fixing it. Yeah. Let's move on to some injuries starting off. Dalvin Cook has a minor groin strain. It's sounding like he's likely to miss this week. Then the Vikings have a bye, and he could be back after that. Sammy Watkins is expected to miss a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. DJ Chark left the game in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury, but we don't have much information on it now. Deontay Johnson left the game with a back injury, but again, we don't have much information yet. And then finally, the worst of all, Zach Prescott has a compound fracture of his ankle, he is done for the season. Yeah, I, it's really unfortunate for Dak. That one sucks. Um, the rest of them, honestly, I'm not worried about Dalvin Cook. I don't think I'm worried about DJ Shark. Let's see what happens there. Uh, Deontay Johnson, though, is a little bit alarming. This pattern of missing games and things popping up with him is really unfortunate because I keep expecting him to have this string of breakout games, and he never quite gets there. Yeah, it really is unfortunate. What do you think about Andy Dalton now in place of Dak Prescott? I am actually pretty worried about it. I'm worried that that offensive line, as bad as it is, is really going to catch up to Andy Dalton in a way that it didn't catch up to Dak Prescott. Um, But I think that there's some room to be had there where maybe now you can go out and at least check in on a couple of guys in that offense if you're interested in doing something like that. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I'm in one league where I feel pretty good about my running back situation outside of Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook. I've got Gaskin, Daryl Henderson, and David Montgomery on my bench, right? So I'm flush at that position. Somebody offered me Michael Gallup heads up in a trade for Daryl Henderson. And I think I'm going to take that deal to add Michael Gallup into what would be a receiving core where I would flex him with DJ Shark. So if that's how Cowboys owners are feeling right now, you might be able to go out and grab C.D. Lamb or Michael Gallup for somebody who's more towards the end of your bench. And it could be worth it to see if that's the case. So if you like Andy Dalton, if you think that he's going to keep that offense rolling, you could probably get some of those Cowboys players for pennies on the dollar at the moment. Let's get into some week five games, starting off with a Thursday night game, Tampa Bay at Chicago, which ended up being a big defensive battle, which we kind of expected, but the team that won is not who I was thinking was going to win here. 
Yeah, right. Uh, I thought it was nice to see that uh, David Montgomery saw eight targets, caught seven of them. It was only for 30 yards, but to see him involved in the passing day, game that much was great. Also, Ronald Jones running for 100 yards again. Uh, outside of that, I didn't see anything that was particularly exciting. Yeah, I guess so. The Bucks are a little bit alarming how they're still putting everything together. I think we really need to see Chris Godwin in this team again. Um, and I think what you said about David Montgomery is spot on, that he had a very pedestrian day, but receiving work and a touchdown turned into a really good effort. Uh, so I'm starting to see what you had alluded to earlier, that with Tyreek Cohen not a part of this offense right now, that the floor on him has risen rapidly. The next game we're going to talk about is Carolina-Atlanta, where Teddy Bridgewater tore up the Atlanta defense, which we kind of expected. Mike Davis continues to play like an RB1. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore had both great days. Calvin Ridley had a great day. Todd Gurley had a very nice day. But Matt Ryan, uh, I think he might have gotten overlooked as we were talking about these quarterbacks who may be washed. Matt Ryan does not look particularly good right now, especially if he doesn't have Julio Jones. Do you think it's pretty much just all Julio that's made him look so bad? I don't know. I I don't think it's just Julio um, because, I mean, he still has Calvin Ridley out there. Uh, he still has a dominant number one type of receiver. So I, it's hard to say. Maybe he's, he just has so much trust in Julio that without Julio, it's hard for him to really compete. It could be. The other question that I had for you in regards to this game, I got a much better game out of DJ Moore finally we were hoping that we would see that which is not unexpected Atlanta is a fantasy factory as we've said multiple times but when I went and looked back at the box score at this game later Wyatt it jumped out to me that DJ Moore still only had five targets he just did a lot with it so am I hoping that this is the type of player that he is now four or five catches a game or am I looking for him to maybe grow on this and start having bigger opportunities I think this is just further solidifying our thoughts that Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver one on that team. Uh, he saw 13 targets in this game. DJ yeah. Moore's touchdown came on a long play, basically where he t uh, got a crossing route and just outran the defense up the sideline. It's not like it was a high-quality uh, target. It's just DJ Moore did a lot with it, uh, which, is, which is nice. You know, that's the DJ Moore we know. It's just he got five targets. So if he doesn't make one of those plays happen, it's – just going to be it, this would have been another four catch 50 60 yard game with nothing else to go with it i see what you mean our next game is the raiders at kansas city where Derek carr and patrick mahomes kind of switched places for most of this game as Derek carr was bombing it out on the on the chiefs we could we saw what henry ruggs does for this offense and they got him back this week and it really just opened that offense wide open and Derek carr is really playing quite well especially with rugs on the field Kansas City was playing from behind this entire game. They, uh, Mahomes was under a lot of pressure in this game and really just piled on his stats and garbage time. The The score makes it look like the game was closer than it really was. They were basically out of this game pretty early on. Yeah, I, I thought so too from what little bit I saw at, at the end of this game. I do think that it is impressive how much different the Raiders looked with Ruggs back in there. Uh, reminded me a lot of how bad Jacksonville was a couple weeks ago against Miami, and we talked about the need to have DJ Shark there. Uh, I think this is maybe another case where the various pieces that you want from the Raiders' offense, like the receivers, like Josh Jacobs, they're just all better and almost need to have 100% health for them to be as effective. Um, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with Kansas City. It's not like they had a bad game. The Raiders just 
had a really good game. Am I concerned about guys like Edward Hilaire or anything like that after this game? I wouldn't be. You know, they were playing from behind so early that um, he just didn't get very many carries. He was still in the passing game plenty. Plenty. It just didn't amount to much in this particular game. Moving on to the Cardinals at the Jets. Talked about it leading into this week that this was going to be a get-right game for the Cardinals because nothing like the Jets to get you right back on the right side. Kyler Murray had a fantastic game. He did still throw one interception, which is kind of becoming a reoccurring problem, but he made up for it. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a big day. Kenyon Drake, if it wasn't for falling into the end zone, would have had another terrible day and was outplayed by Kenyon Drake or by Chase Edmonds again. On York side, it's just Jamison Crowder and that's it. But you know, when Jamison Crowder's out there and playing, he's performing really like a, like a wide receiver one almost. That's pretty much how I feel about the Jets right now, too. He's the only person that I'm paying even a little bit of attention to. And like we said earlier, we'll keep an eye on the backfield with Le'Veon Bell out, but nothing I'm looking to do right away with them. Uh, I do think Chase Edmonds is starting to turn into uh, a guy that demands he get put into your flex position now. Yeah, I mean, he's not seeing that many touches a game, but his touches are high quality and he's being efficient with them. I feel like I'm getting a large play out of him every time he's out there. It's crazy. Yeah. Our next game is Philly at Pittsburgh, the Battle of Pennsylvania, where we got a couple of massive games from somewhat unknown guys. Travis Fulgham went for 152 on 10 catches and a touchdown. Chase Claypool had seven catches for 110 yards and four total touchdowns. A lot more offense in this game than I thought there was going to be. I thought Pittsburgh would run a lot more, and Philly would not be able to be in this game for very long. A lot of offense, though. There was a lot of offense. I'm still pretty worried about what I've seen out of Philadelphia. Even Miles Sanders kind of had a really, really, really big play in this game, but not something I'd expect to count on from him long term. My bigger issue, I think, is with the Steelers, because they are very much looking different than how you and I thought they would be in the offseason. We did not expect this to be like your old traditional killer B type Steelers, and they're out there slinging it. Uh, I can definitely understand why a lot of people think that this upside to Claypool is going to persist more than just this one game being an anomaly. Uh, so that's a guy I'm really, really, really keeping my eye on for the next couple of weeks to see if I maybe want to go out and grab him. But it is... Interesting to see how well they're playing, passing, running, all facets of the offense are clicking for them right now. I just feel like they've done it mostly against kind of meh defenses. Moving on to the Rams at Washington, where this is a game where Washington was basically never in it. Kyle Allen started this game and looked okay. I mean, he looked like Kyle Allen, but we know that Kyle Allen can support some fantasy options in an offense, but he gets hurt. Alex Smith comes in and... Like, you can already give him the Comeback Player of the Year award just for getting on the field and completing a pass. Uh, unfortunately, though, Alex Smith did not look very good out there. Uh, he averaged only 2.2 yards of completion. Um, Aaron Donald was all over him. There's really not much to say about this game, apart from you still just can't trust the Rams' backfield. Even though Daryl Henderson had two touchdowns, everybody was involved here. It's true. He just did a lot with those opportunities. So, again... We're not surprised if Malcolm Brown has a big week next week. It's tough to tell who's going to do what. Um, I think maybe one bigger storyline that should at least be mentioned here is, did you catch that Haskins wasn't even in the building? Yeah, but he was sick, from what I understand, is he was throwing up. 
Well, it's convenient. I, I mean, yeah, it, it may just be convenient that he was throwing up. It may that be that he was actually throwing up. Also, his dog died, from what I heard. Uh, it's a it's a rough week all around for him. It just I don't I don't know that even if he comes back and he's healthy and in the right headspace that they're going to put him in there. It's very clear that what is going on there has something to do with him and Rivera. I th- I think that's pretty safe to say. So it, it does make me question what we're going to see from them going forward. I think at this point now, as we record this on Tuesday night, we don't we don't know for sure who's doing what at quarterback for them this next week, do we? I believe that they came out and said that Kyle Allen is their quarterback if he's healthy. It'll be interesting because if he's not healthy, it means it's Alex Smith. And from what we did see of him, you got to be a little bit nervous about Gibson, McLaurin, everybody in that offense, right? Like it's going to be very easy to load the box and just stop Antonio Gibson if Alex Smith is playing long-term. Now maybe like he'll play for a week and show us, oh, I got back into a rhythm and I'm good to go. But I'd be very nervous about playing either of those guys going forward the way it looks right now. Our next game is Cincinnati at Baltimore, where Baltimore basically just took it to Cincinnati from the get-go. Cincinnati's offensive line is going to get Burrow hurt at this point. It's it's looking really bad. They're not, not able to block it all for him, and I'm starting to worry about what it's going to do for his confidence at this point because this is how young QBs get ruined, days like this. Uh, there really wasn't any offense to be had on Cincinnati. Um A.J. Green left the game with the hamstring injury, but I don't know how much of an injury it was. If you look on the sideline, there's a video of him looking like he might be mouthing to trade him to a coach. So I think there's something else going on there. Yeah, I guess he must just not be happy being a bit part of an offense that has a ton of other weapons. I mean, I can't imagine that that's what he thought he was getting himself into. So who knows? I don't think it'll affect Burrow because I think the kind of personality and makeup that he has is immune to, you know, how likely it is that his offensive line gets him killed. Um, On the other side, one thing that I thought that was very interesting is that we are really, really rapidly losing faith in the running game for the Ravens, aren't we? Like, obviously you're playing Lamar Jackson, but – you can't play any other piece. It's not like you could play J.K. Dobbins and hope he's going to have a good week or play Mark Ingram as you're running back to and hope that he's got a stable floor. It looks like all these guys are just unplayable without much hope for a high ceiling. Yeah, I would have to agree. Our next game is the Jacksonville Jaguars at Houston Texans. Minshew got his garbage time game on in this game finally, but... DJ Chark was kind of nowhere to be seen. I mentioned that he had an ankle injury, but he didn't leave the game till the fourth quarter. He only had four targets before then for three three catches of 16 yards. I'm, I'm kind of starting to worry about DJ Chark because he's not really seeing enough targets apart from one game. On Houston's side, Deshaun Watson kind of had a get-right game. Even though he threw th- two interceptions, he threw for 360 yards and three touchdowns. David Johnson had a solid outing. And Brandon Cooks blew up in this game, which I think any other week I would say, yeah, that's you know that's just a one-off thing. I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it. But after a coaching change, it, I think you have to look at it a little bit deeper. I agree. I was going to say I don't know if I call it a get-right game as much as I call it like a liberation game for all of them. It does somewhat look like that O'Brien may have just been a weight holding them down, not so much in the fact that he's a bad football coach, just he was – 
losing the team and had too much on his plate to handle at any given time with his GM responsibilities. Now, all of a sudden, Cornell is just letting them loose to go out there and do what they want to do. And we may see better results that we could not necessarily have counted on previously. So my advice when it comes to the Texans right now is to just view it like they just had week one and everybody had a good game, and now we're starting over and reevaluating what these guys look like going forward. Um, on the other side, man, I'm not worried about Shark at all. I think he probably was still banged up a little bit. I also think, and you and I talked about this earlier, that Roby had a lot to do with Shark's performance. He has quietly been much better than I thought he was going to be. And a lot of people who have been matched up on him, like Marquise Brown was in week two, have not had good games when going up against Roby. Uh, my expectation is that we're going to see like a string of more explosive games at a shark that all of a sudden make him kind of return the value where you drafted on him. So my, my fear right now would be that you prematurely sit shark and miss out on what are going to be some good games. Uh, but I do think that getting him the ball faithfully is something that both the Jags and Minshew want to do and need to do. So we should see better days out of him going forward. Our next game is Miami at San Francisco, where we got the Fitz Magic in full effect. And on the opposite side, we got the exact opposite, because Jimmy Garoppolo was not very good and uh, was actually pulled at halftime, though Cal Shanahan mentioned that he could just notice that Jimmy was not fully healthy, and he wanted to get him out before he got hurt. And he thinks that his health was affecting his game, and that's why he played so poorly. Um, a couple other notes for this game is that Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch, and then Miles Gaskin was getting the goal line work, which is huge for Miles Gaskin because prior to prior to this week, he was just a really a between the twenties type of guy. He wasn't getting the end zone work, and he only had a so high a ceiling because he wasn't going to get touchdowns. But if he's going to score touchdowns, he's really just a solid number two option. And then the other one is that Raheem Mostert coming back from injury just resumed this bell cow uh, role in San Francisco dominating the running back touches. I think that's just the way it is. I don't know if that's the way it is. I think we have to come back to that a little bit later. I think it's very possible that a bigger mix of Wilson and McKinnon would have been seen in this game if it wasn't just out of hand early. Uh, what I liked from Mostert is that he did really good work on a limited amount of touches. So he got even less work than I probably thought he was going to and had a good day with it. Um, so that that's encouraging. I, for as bad as the offense was on San Francisco's side, the numbers aren't really that discouraging, right? Like we still had six targets to Ayuk, caught half of them. Kittle had eight targets. Debo had eight targets. And so it looked like they were throwing it to where you wanted it to. It just wasn't their particular day at the office, so to speak. Um, but I do like what you said about Gaskin. He's quietly taking over a very prominent RB2 void uh, that is emerging on what has to be a lot of teams. So that's another guy where I think if it's possible for you to get him, now would be your last chance to buy in before it, it's too late. Our next game is Indianapolis at Cleveland. Philip Rivers did not look good in this game, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Miles Garrett was basically on his back the entire game, which really just disrupted their entire offense. Uh, they, Indy couldn't really get much of a running game going, which we're kind of just seeing that Cleveland is a good run defense, and I think it's something where you have to downgrade players a little bit uh, going against that running defense. On Cleveland's side, Baker Mayfield had a really big first half, but then kind of cooled off in the second half through a couple interceptions. Kareem Hunt 
uh, got his receiving touchdown to make sure he had a good day. Uh, but it was tough sledding against a very tough run defense in Indianapolis. Not a lot else to be said about this game. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Um, I will note here, because this is what jumped out the box score lines for me, that with nine targets and 10 targets, Hooper at 10 and both Beckham and Landry at nine, the passing attack really went through the focal points that we'd like it to go through when it comes time to play those particular players. So that's a very encouraging sign for the Browns as they go into a Steelers game next week where you would have to figure we would see almost a repeat of this, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Our next game is the Giants at the Cowboys. We talked already before about how Dak Prescott got hurt in this game. On the Giants' side, Devontae Freeman turned in a decent game. He got into the end zone, looked a little bit more spry than he had in the past. Darius Slayton had a big game. Daniel Jones is still trash, though. On Dallas' side, Ezekiel Elliott had a nice game. CeeDee Lamb continues his successful season so far. Michael Gallup gets involved a little bit more than normal here. Um, something to note about this game is that James Bradbury, the corner for the Giants, has been playing extremely well. And he then shut down Amari Cooper in this game. That's another name that we're going to have to be on the lookout for, for shadow matchups for wide receivers. That's true, especially if we're now talking about Andy Dalton throwing to him in tough shadow matchups. So I, I think you're right. I'm kind of throwing out everything that I saw in this game, not just because Dak got injured, but the way he got injured, when he got injured, the severity of that injury, it, it all the air immediately left the game on both sides, and it kind of caused a weird reset for me where I think a lot of what we saw at the end of this game isn't anything that we can reliably make predictions off of. So, uh, you know, the Giants are still the Giants. I'm not upgrading them in any way just because they hung 34 on a Cowboys defense that everybody is hanging 30, 40, 50 points on. Uh, and I'm not really doing much with the Cowboys right now until I see how they look next week in a full game. You brought up something that I think is very important that I don't think people think about enough is that when a big-time player gets injured in the middle of a game, specifically quarterbacks, um, what happens after that point isn't the truth. That's not always going to happen. The the coaching staff, the game plan, it's not set up for that player who has to come in next. So everything that happens from that point is just on the fly. Everything can change for the next game when they set up a real game plan with that player in mind. Yeah, so like Andy Dalton trying to throw a few times to CeeDee Lamb, for example, and giving him a good final stat line at the end of the day doesn't necessarily mean that CeeDee Lamb is now Andy Dalton's favorite target and that's who we need to look at going forward. It just you got to play wait and see in these situations. The next game we're going to talk about is Minnesota at Seattle. Dalvin Cook left the game, as we talked about. Alexander Madison came in and looked very good, running for over 100 yards and 20 carries. Adam Thielen had a great game, but we kind of expected that to happen. But we thought that Justin Jefferson would have a much better game than he did, but he only had three did catches it. for 23 yards. On Seattle's side, I think the big note here is that I think you can say officially that DK Metcalf is the number one receiver. I thought for a while it was kind of 1A, 1B with Metcalf and Lockett, but I think that it's just Metcalf is number one, Lockett is two. And number two in this offense is very valuable, but when things were tough and they were down, Russ was relying on DK Metcalf. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that is just because of how well he's been playing this year. Russ has this faith in his downfield ability right now 
in a way that I can't really remember seeing in the past few seasons. It's kind of where this whole let Russ Cook thing has come from, right? And when he's slinging the ball downfield like that, it is Metcalf who's more likely to receive those looks than it is um, Lockett. I also think just from a standpoint of athleticism, man, like I, I don't know if you got to see much of this game, but there were a couple of throws where Wilson was just playing like they used to do with guys like Megatron, just putting it up there. And Metcalf would make unreal adjustments on the sideline just to come back for balls, to go over top of defenders. So uh, what I'm seeing from him, especially in light of his performance that he had when we were nervous about him going up against the Patriots in week two, um, He's looking like he's matchup proof now. So not only is he the number one, it just looks like under any circumstances, regardless of who's on him, you can roll him out there because you may get a huge touchdown from him any game, any circumstance. Our next game is the Chargers at New Orleans where Justin Herbert had a fantastic game. Unfortunately, it didn't end up in a win. We also saw the split between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly lean into Justin Jackson's favor, especially in the passing game, which is what we kind of thought what would happen. But I didn't expect him to lead them in uh, carries as well, and he looked significantly better than Josh Kelly. Mike Williams had a great game after Keenan Allen left the game with an injury, though I believe Keenan Allen is actually just okay. He just couldn't return to this game. On New Orleans side, we finally saw Emmanuel Sanders step up in a big way in Michael Thomas's absence. How did you feel about this game, Justin? So I think Herbert is unreal good. It's It's been shocking to me how well he stepped in and performed. Um, I definitely think that it, it is going to be more and more and more Justin Jackson than it is Josh Kelly. The Chargers are going to figure out that he is the better option between these guys. Uh, so I would expect Jackson to just continue to emerge more and more. Uh, as far as the passing game goes, I'm really intrigued about Mike Williams long-term. I had jockeyed for you and I to pick him up and everywhere that we could get him off the waiver wire this week. And hours uh, no way we're letting him go now. I just think that the way that Herbert plays really favors a guy like Williams when he's healthy. So I think that that could continue, and this could be a situation where both Allen and Williams are the viable options, and Henry is kind of the one who is hit or miss depending on the week. Um, on the other side, I, I don't know, man. It's just – like I get that the stats are there. They came back. They won the game. The Saints have done this a couple of times where I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? And then at the end of the game, everything ends up fine. But my eyes are telling me that Drew Brees is not right and there's a lot wrong with this offense. I honestly think that if Alvin Kamara didn't wear a Saints uniform, they may be a zero or a one-win team at this point. Um, so I really need to see Michael Thomas come back and play now, be healthy, and see what this whole offense looks like with him as a part of it. Because uh, nothing that I saw, not even the day that Emmanuel Sanders have, is something that I'm ready to buy in and believe in in terms of putting these guys in my lineup, unless we're talking about Alvin Kamara. The final game, which wrapped up while we were talking about the other games, Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans, where the Titans really put it on the Bills in this game. And Justin, you called it. You said if A.J. Brown plays, the Titans are going to win. And A.J. Brown had a great game, his first game back. Seven catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Johnny Smith caught two more touchdowns, our boy right there. Stephon Diggs had a solid game, catching a lot of his passes uh, in garbage time, essentially, while they were on, in comeback mode. Josh Allen couple interceptions this game kind of came back down to earth. Yeah, and I, I can't quite put my finger on why I thought that was going to be the case. This game did go almost exactly the way I thought it would, and I'm one of the only people that thought that. It's just there's 
a lot to be said, man, and I think that this is now something that we want to put away and file for later. There is a lot to be said about these teams that are on the other side of these COVID games where they have to come up with game plans for multiple different scenarios. I think the Bills were most likely very hampered from the uncertainty that went on this way this week in a way that the Titans were not. The Titans knew they're either playing against the Bills at home or they're not playing this week. The Bills went almost the entire week not knowing if we're playing on Tuesday, if we're playing on Thursday, who are we going up against? And that I think that's really difficult on them. So one thing that I think we're going to want to try and keep track of is if there are these situations where one team's opponent and data play is up in the air, do they dramatically underperform in those games? Because if I'm not mistaken, we saw some movement in a Patriots and Chiefs game earlier in the year, and the Chiefs looked really flat in that particular game as well. So we might want to keep our eye on just that phenomenon as a whole. Moving on to week six. The teams on buys for this week are the Raiders, the Saints, and the Chargers. Our first game of the week will be Texans at Titans on Sunday, as there is no Thursday night game this week. Titans coming off a big win. Texans coming off a big win for, well, it wasn't a big win against a big team, but a big win for that organization. We got Deshaun Watson against Ryan Tannehill. There should be a lot of offense in this game. I'm definitely playing Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, David Johnson. I think maybe now Brandon Cooks has to be on your flex radar. On the Titans side, you're always playing Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown when they're in the game, and Jonu Smith now is an every-week play without a doubt. And I think for this game, you want Ryan Tannehill in your lineup. Yeah, I agree. Especially if you're coming off a DAC injury and you've got the ability to get Tannehill because he could be out there on the wire or available for trade, depending on what you got going on. Um, I'm probably going to temper my expectations on the passing attack for the Texans a little bit, uh, especially after watching the Titans kind of return to what I expect to see from them by shutting down the Bills this week. Let's not forget that people were like crowning Josh Allen the MVP and now 40 minutes after this game ends here on Tuesday evening, like the Bills looked like they had no passing attack tonight. So I I don't know for sure if I want to go to Brandon Cooks, but I think all the Titans options in particular are pretty good in this matchup. Our next game is the Bengals at the Colts. On the Bengals side, I don't know um, if I really want to play anyone over here. Maybe Mixon just based on volume, but like that's like flex value going into this game. After we just saw what happened to the Bengals offense when they couldn't stop anybody from rushing them, and now they get the Colts, who have one of the best front sevens in the business, I'm worried about the Bengals offense. On the Colts, I like Jonathan Taylor, but outside of that, I don't really have any interest in playing anybody on this offense. I don't either. If I had to play Mo Ali Cox, I would. But really, it's because I mean, he, he hasn't been anything now that. Uh... Yeah, no, I know. I'm with you. It's just that there could be a lot of buy fill ins. Because I guess I'm looking here at people who are not going to have Hunter Henry. They're not going to have Jared Cook. They're not going to have Darren Waller, right? So if you're missing a tight end and you've got to go grab somebody off the waiver wire to play for one week, I, I this could be the sort of week because we've seen this historically from the Bengals where Mo Cox might have a three-catch game and one of them is the one that gets him into the end zone. Um, but I guess I'm just kind of using that, Wyatt, to illustrate that, like you said, outside of Jonathan Taylor, there's nothing I want here. Like, I'm not even looking at T.Y. Hilton or somebody like that that I'd be playing in this matchup. I'm perfectly okay with sitting Joe Mixon. I was going to say that, so I think you're right on the 
same line of thought that I was there, that there just isn't a reason to take a chance against this Colts um, front seven. Uh, but I would be okay with a couple passing options. You know, like I, I still think this is another game where Tyler Boyd should have an opportunity to give you something. The Bengals were absolutely terrible last week against the Ravens, and he still had four catches for 40-some yards. It wasn't completely abysmal. Uh, so I do think we're just seeing, like we had said last week, and it been, you've been saying it all offseason, that double digits kind of is his floor. So I'd be comfortable playing Boyd. That's probably it. If you want to sit mixing, I'm with it. Our next game is the Falcons at Vikings. We're going to need to pay attention to Julio Jones' health because we now know that that's going to have a huge impact on that offense as a whole. Um, if Julio Jones plays, uh, you, you got to have him in your lineup. You're always playing Calvin Ridley. Even against a bad Vikings defense, I'm not so sure that you play Matt Ryan if Julio Jones doesn't play. Um, you're, of course, starting Todd Gurley. On the Vikings side, we need to watch to see if Dalvin Cook is going to play in this game. Again, I, as I said before, I don't believe he's going to, so I'm just going to assume that it's going to be Alexander Madison's job for this week, and I'm going to play him as a top 10 running back in this matchup. You always have Adam Thielen in your lineup. Justin Jefferson's going to be in flex consideration, I think, every week. And I think you want to have Kirk Cousins in your lineup this week. I mean, the Falcons yep. just they – love, they love to let quarterbacks have great days against them. And that's the other one that I was going to highlight for people who need to pick up a quarterback. So you could have lost Dak. You could have Drew Brees or Russell Wilson on a bye. Uh, that's another one who I would definitely be looking to play is Kirk Cousins. I'd play Cousins way ahead of Matt Ryan in this matchup, I think. And I would actually, I don't even know if I would call it flex, Wyatt. I'd be willing to go maybe, let's say, real high-end flex on Jefferson this week. Again, like, they are just a fantasy factory. Like, I'm happy to play everybody that I can against Atlanta. So this is another game where as much as I don't necessarily think of them like this sort of team, like the Vikings are probably going to push Atlanta for a shootout here and just go back and forth. And I would love to see that as a, as a person who owns multiple players from both of these teams. Our next game is the Broncos at the Patriots. We're going to need to see if Cam Newton is going to be able to play in this game or not. Uh, I believe that it is possible that he can come back from COVID to play in this game. If he does play, I like him a decent bit. The Broncos defense is, you know, adequate at this point. Um, but I'm still not really trusting any of his weapons at this time. There's too much confusion in the backfield. Maybe Damian Harris because of, he'll be coming off a big game, though now we're a week removed from that game. On the Broncos, we have to see if we're going to get Drew Locke back. I believe that this will be the first week in which he might be able to be or be able to return if he if he comes back it kind of upgrades everybody a little bit but everyone's ranked pretty low going in this matchup so even then i'm not sure if you want anybody i agree so i think that we take a huge step back on melvin gordon this week the patriots are really good at taking away the one thing that has been working for you when that's all you have uh, and I think that the Broncos have been pretty bad through the air, and the Patriots should just be daring them to pass the ball. So I'm worried about all kinds of Broncos in this matchup. Um, and I do think that what I do think Cam Newton does play here, and I think what you said is correct that if he if he plays, it, it makes things a little bit more interesting. Um, I could see using either Harris or Edelman as a flex sort of player if you need to, if Cam Newton is healthy and available. Our next game is the football team at the Giants and what should be probably the ugliest game of the week. Uh, for, for the football team, I, 
I'm going to play Antonio Gibson in this matchup for sure. Uh, you would have a hard time taking Terry McLaurin out of your lineup, but we just saw that James Bradbury kind of locked down Amari Cooper. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about him being able to do that to Terry McLaurin as well. On the Giants side, I like Darius Slayton in this matchup, but that's kind of it. I think I agree with that. I'm not ready to play any running backs who play for the Giants. Um, I would flex Slayton if I had an opportunity to do so, and I'm not sitting somebody wild uh, to do that. And I, I have a tough time on the other side, man. I don't really want to play McLaurin in a matchup like this, not against that corner, not when I'm not sure what's going on at quarterback. It's rough. I also wonder a lot of times that part of the reason why the number one receiver might be struggling is not just because the coverage is good, but it's also that the coverage is so bad elsewhere that like, why do you even need to take a shot at McLaurin? You could go elsewhere with the ball and it's just wide open to do so. So it might be both low volume and low opportunity for him this week. So he is a guy that even if I'm relying on him as a wide receiver too, I might put him all the way down to the bench and play two guys over top of him if needed. Moving on to the Ravens at the Eagles, where I expect the Ravens defense to basically decimate the Eagles offense. I don't see any way that this goes well for Carson Wentz in this game. I imagine he's going to be getting sacked and hurried throughout the entire game. I don't want to play Carson Wentz or really anybody in the passing offense. Uh, I'm worried about Miles Sanders for the week. Me too. Really worried about Zach Ertz for this week and for long term. It just doesn't look good right now for anybody who's over there. And I don't know why. It's just I feel like every week we look at the Eagles game and just they, they are just playing good team after good team after good team, mm -hmm. and there's no let up for them. And I think to an extent that that spirals after a little while. So I think they just continue to go downhill as a whole, and that's kind of it for them. Um, on the Ravens' side, the one thing I will say is that even when it is a mess – that defense is really out there trying to do what they can do. So I'm not expecting that there are any running back options for the Ravens that I have an interest in. Uh, I think for me here, it's just, it's Lamar Jackson, it's Marquise Brown, and it's Mark Andrews. And there isn't another player in this game outside of Miles Sanders, I suppose, that I would even want in a lineup. Well, and I'm worried for Marquise Brown too, because he'll be matched up with Darius Slay, most likely. It's true. The next game is the Browns at Steelers. Be a very interesting matchup. On the Browns side, uh, I'm a little bit worried for Kareem Hunt in this game because the Steelers have been so good against running backs so far, but I think Kareem Hunt is involved enough in the passing game that you can still play him and expect a decent amount of points from him. Uh, I don't think I want anybody else on the Browns side for this game. Uh, I don't think I could rely on anything. For the Steelers, this is a game where you're going to have to downgrade James Conner as we've seen the Browns' rush defense be very good. But I think this is a bounce-back game for Juju, who's kind of gotten lost in the fray as Deontay Johnson has been leading in targets when he's healthy. Chase Claypool has this big breakout game. James Washington is running a bunch of routes. But Juju's been playing that big slot role again for the Steelers, and the Browns have had trouble guarding guys in the slot and over the middle, and I think Juju's going to feast here. 
I agree. I was going to say he's quietly just putting in work when he gets an opportunity to do so, uh, and he should have an opportunity to do so. So um, I'm comfortable with pretty much all of the Steelers' options here for the ability to roll them out and hope that they at least get something. I'm actually fairly confident that the Browns play well in this game too, so I'm not worried about playing OBJ. Uh, just because Landry's coming off a 12, 13-point game doesn't mean I want to play him. So uh, I don't want to go quite that far. But I think Kareem Hunt will have just a fine, will have a fine uh, game as well. It's just it'll be really interesting. There's a lot riding on this game for both of these teams, and you just hope that they don't come out and maybe play a little bit too tight because of the circumstances. I mean, this is a Brown Steelers game. Why they're they're combined eight and one. Our next game is the Bears at Panthers. I don't know what to say about this game. I, I have a feeling that like it's just not going to be a pretty game to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that this is the first time that Christian McCaffrey could possibly be available. I'm not sure if they'll rush him back, though. I don't think they really have a reason to do so. Well, look, let's make this easy then, right? Like, you know that you're going to play Allen Robinson. You know you're going to play David Montgomery. Pretty much everybody else, it's kind of, huh. You know you're going to play DJ Moore. You know you're going to play Robbie Anderson, which we, we know for sure now you're always playing Robbie Anderson. Um, so instead, let's maybe center on this question for a minute. What the hell are they going to do when both – when he's, let's say Christian McCaffrey comes back. What's he going to do? What's Davis going to do? You know, it's really interesting. I, I It's a – Great question. I don't think anybody really knows. I would have to think that Mike Davis has earned himself some sort of role on this team. But my thought is that maybe it's not something that takes away from what Christian McCaffrey does. Maybe it's now it's just something where they're using them in tandem. Well, we've seen it. We've seen it. Like everybody has that story about, oh, yeah, that dude who had both Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. And his team was unbeatable, was just playing both running backs at the same time. I, I don't think it's wild to suggest that maybe that they're both viable. Because in a lot of teams, and I don't know if maybe listeners out there, you might find that your league is the same way. But why? I feel like almost every league that we're in, the person who has Mike Davis has Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So you know, I could see a situation where like Christian McCaffrey lines up in the slot and Mike Davis is in the backfield or maybe vice versa, because we've seen Mike Davis be a very good receiver as well. I, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see. If McCaffrey does come back this week, any thought about playing neither of them? Will you just see what happens for the week? If Christian McCaffrey is on the field, I think I have to play him no matter what, even against the bears, even coming back from the injury, it's he's just too, dynamic to try and bench I, I i guess i i wouldn't have the balls to do it yeah i it would be tough it just it, it it's it's really odd now to try and figure out what's going to happen in that situation which makes no sense McCaffrey was so good last year consensus number one and now all of a sudden we're asking ourselves like is he still going to be consistently involved as the number one um because mike davis was that good but he's been fantastic so Moving on to the Lions at the Jaguars in a game that I think is going to end up being in another shootout in which the Jaguars are playing from behind. So I like Minshew a lot in this matchup. I like LaVisca Chenault a good bit because he has continuously improved week by week by week, putting up numbers. We need to watch DJ Shark's health. If he's playing, I'm going to like him in this matchup. And you always like James Robinson at this point. His volume is just way too high to ever take him out of your lineup. 
On the Lions' side, I love Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay in this matchup. I think they're going to have a fantastic day, and I think TJ Hawkinson should have a good game as well. Yeah, I'd probably be stacking Galladay and Stafford and a lot of DFS if I could. I think you're spot on here with this game. Our next game is the Jets at the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick should have another Fitzmagic day here against the Jets, as we all know they're their worst team in football. They're hot garbage. Uh, Miles Gaskin should be in your lineups. Preston Williams should be in your lineup. Devontae Parker should be in your lineup. On the Jets, uh, Jameson Crowder and no thank you to the rest. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure the case there. I would really be trying to find uh, the Dolphins' defense, if I could, to play them. Uh, as a streaming option, as a DFS option, anywhere that I could get my hands on him. Um, I don't know if I want to roll out Preston Williams. Uh, he had a good game, but has been really disappointing outside of last week. I could see this being a game where Devontae Parker does really well and then Fitzpatrick spreads the ball around to everybody. Um, I might be off on this, but if you look back at the box score, I think it's entirely possible that nobody received more than five or six targets in that offense last week. So that is one thing that I have noticed that has held up through the years is that when Fitzpatrick is rolling, it, it goes all over the place almost unpredictably. So I don't know if that necessarily favors Williams to maximize his opportunities the way that he did last week, but Parker should be a great play. Um, and I'm really starting to go all in on Gaskin. I I'm not sure where everybody else is rating him, but just to give people an idea of where I'm sitting at the moment. So I'm looking at benching uh, even a healthy DJ Shark to play Gaskin instead. Uh, and I think that that is probably where he belongs right now. So there's a lot of guys who you might have in your flex positions that would traditionally be an RB2 or a wide receiver two that I think should be ranked behind Gaskin in most circumstances. And this is about the best possible matchup that we could get for him. So I'm really, really, really high on him for this particular week. Our next game is the Packers at Buccaneers in a battle of a couple of future Hall of Famers and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. On the Packers side, I'm sticking with the guys that I know about. If Devontae Adams is in this game, I want to play him. I want Aaron Rodgers and I want Aaron Jones, even in a tough matchup. You have to play them every week, I think, at this point. I'm not so sold on anybody else on that offense in this particular matchup. On the Buccaneers' side, I think you could start Tom Brady as a low-end QB1 this week. We have to pay attention to Chris Godwin's health. Uh, I like Godwin and Evans if they're out there on the field. And we have to watch and see if Fournette is going to be healthy and bother Ronald Jones's workload. If, if he's not out there... I like Ronald Jones just based on volume. If Fournette is playing, it makes me worry a little bit about Ronald Jones. Uh, you know what? I'll take the other side. I don't think it does worry me. Uh, I think Jones has just continued to solidify that he is worthy of being the number one running back uh, in that when things are not going well, they will go to Leonard Fournette as needed, and Fournette will have an opportunity to capitalize on that. Um, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to mess up a good flow from Ronald Jones when Fournette might not be 100% healthy. Uh, so for me, I think it's a matter of evaluating, can he get off to a hot start that allows him to have a running back one amount of work? And I do think that this particular game would favor that sort of game flow for Ronald Jones. Uh, so I'm giving him a bump for the week. Everything else you said there, I'm 
dead on with you that that is the case. Uh, if Devontae Adams doesn't go in this game for whatever reason, it limits the receiving core so much that I think all of those options go away. Um, if he does play, then I think it opens it back up a little bit for everybody else. Um, last person I want you to touch on, just because I'm curious, I don't know too much about uh, how the Bucks have stacked up against tight ends, but you know, coming off of a bye week this week, everybody's going to be clamoring to play Tanyan after what he did two weeks ago. It, can he have a huge game against the Bucks? I think everyone needs to remember that Tanyan had that game against the Falcons, who were basically just like letting him run open without ever covering him. Um, like I have Tanyan basically like in tight end streamer range right now. But I, I would not be expecting big days out of him, especially against a defense like the Buccaneers. Our next game is the Rams at 49ers, where we need to pay attention to Jimmy Garoppolo's health to see who's going to be starting for the 49ers this week. It kind of uh, hampers that offense a little bit if Garoppolo is not fully healthy. But really the way the offense is built in the way that it just tries to get the ball in its playmaker's hands, it doesn't hurt them too much. You're always starting George Kittle. I think at this point, Ayuk and Debo Samuel are both on flex radar. I like Raheem Mostert every week as he's kind of the bell cow running back there, I think. I'm not so sure if I want to play like Jarek McKinnon in a week like this. The Rams, we just saw the 49ers get chewed up by Fitzmagic, so maybe that makes you think that Goff could have a good game here. And I, I kind of tend to believe that because the 49ers have had a bunch of injuries on defense. I like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I'm not much of a fan of Tyler Higby anymore. And I'm not really a fan of Gerald Everett either. I think they eat into each other too much at this time. And if you need to start a running back, you could start one for the Rams, but I don't feel good about any of them. I actually think they could both have pretty good days. Um, it's just I don't think that one's going to go for 20 and one's going to go for 15. I think they could both just give you 8 to 10. Uh, so if we're looking to just move it along at that position, Brown and Henderson could probably do okay. Um, I just think this is another game where the Rams are just kind of clicking, and I don't see anything from San Francisco right now that suggests that they're going to stop that train from rolling. So I feel good about Cup and Woods and the running backs and Goff and everything. I feel good about the defense. It's just they're quietly, because the division has been so good and the NFC has been so good with the storylines like Rodgers being as good as he has been, uh, that the Rams are just kind of slipping under the radar, but they're playing pretty good football right now. And I think that all of their pieces from a fantasy perspective are really doing what you'd like them to do as well. Um, and I'm with you for what you said for San Francisco. I like Kittle. I like Mostert. There isn't anybody else that I want to get involved with here at the moment. Our next game is the Chiefs at the Bills, where I'm assuming that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are just going to have a, you know, throwing distance competition. Mm -hmm. with each other in this game. I, I imagine they're both just going to bomb the ball out, you know, drive in and drive out against each other. I expect this to be a very, very high-scoring game where there's tons of points being put up. I kind of want pieces everywhere in this game. I don't think that I want pieces everywhere. I think the Bills have a really good defense, and I think that now we have to look at the flip side of what I said earlier, that the Bills have already spent about half their time of a week preparing for the Chiefs. And now they're going to go spend the next week preparing for the Chiefs. So I think that they should have something. 
that lets them impact the Chiefs' offense in some sort of way. I do think that the Chiefs' offense is not rolling the way you want it to right now, uh, but that doesn't mean you're ever going to sit Edwards Hilaire or Kelsey or Hill. I do think that it means that you should sit everybody else. Um, so play Mahomes, play Hilaire, play your guys, right? But remember when it comes to choosing your flex players that this could be a week where they're going to go for a smaller projection than what you see next to their name. So if you are in a close matchup and you feel like you need to take a shot at the flex position, maybe temper your expectations on the Chiefs a little bit and go for the gusto somewhere else if you have to. Uh, on the Bills side of the ball, I think that we're going to see Singletary continue to get a decent amount of work. I think it was very, very interesting tonight uh, that guys like Yeldon were involved, even with Zach Moss not out there. I think that says everything that we need to know about what Singletary's ceiling is right now and how capped he is. Um and I think that the Bills offense, Josh Allen and everybody included, will look better if John Brown's healthy. I didn't really hear anything tonight, Wyatt, on the telecast that suggested that we wouldn't see Brown next week. So my hope is that he's back and that what was missing tonight from them against Tennessee was Brown's ability to stretch the field and make everything else work better. So I hope to see them at full strength next week and then we get what we anticipate out of everybody. Final game of the week is Cardinals at Cowboys, where we're going to get our first real taste of the Andy Dalton era of the Cowboys for this year. Um, on the Cowboys side, I like I said, I do think Andy Dalton is like streamer territory, and in this week I think it's a pretty good matchup. So if you're in need of a quarterback, if you just lost Dak, I think you're good to just go out and get Dalton and play him. Um, I do think that this could mean better things for Zeke. I mean, he's already yep. you know top two running back, but it might mean that they feed him even more. I do like Cooper, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb basically every week because they could always, you know, have big games. And Dalton Schultz, if he's playing, I like him here. On the Cardinals side, I expect Kyler Murray to have a fantastic game against this defense and by proxy DeAndre Hopkins to have a massive game as well. Uh, because the Cowboys defense is so bad, I think you probably want to start Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds here? But Chase Edmonds more so than Drake, I think, at this point. I think so. So I, I would definitely be looking to roll him out. Um, I'm just with I'm, – I'm with the Cardinals in this matchup. I think that they're going to get their points pretty much everywhere. Uh, I don't know for sure what's going to happen with Dallas, honestly, man. I, I do think that Dalton is a perfectly fine and competent quarterback, and I do think what you said is going to be their game plan. I think that McCarthy and Dalton and everybody's going to realize that feeding Zeke is the way to go. But my issue here is that what we lost was Dak Prescott. What has not changed in any way, shape, or form is the defense. So I, I worry that Dallas is going to spend this whole week trying to emotionally recover from what happened to Dak, right? And they're going to put together what they think is a good strategy to move this offense forward long term. And in the short term of this one game, you're going to get a lot of Zeke to not a lot of effectiveness. The Cardinals are going to jump ahead. And I don't know that Dalton and those passing pieces are going to be ready to keep up with the Cardinals. And it might lead to a pretty pedestrian day for all of them. Uh, and that's my fear. I almost envision this as a place where we may see all of these guys, Lamb Gallup and Cooper, have five, six, seven targets 
three, four, five catches, but none of them really like explode the way that we've seen them explode when Dak is out there and they all simultaneously go off. Uh, so that makes me makes me a little bit nervous. I don't actually know that I'd be willing to play a lot of Cowboys players in this first matchup out there. If they weren't playing a high tempoed, high powered offense, sure. But you got, I mean, man, this is like the air, this is the air raid offense coming to play the worst possible defense to play against an air raid offense. I'm trying to figure out why it for streaming purposes and bye weeks and even DFS outside of Hopkins. Are there other options that I could go to here? Christian Kirk, you know, has had a couple solid outings in a row. Uh, Andy Isabella may be worth a look if in really deep leagues, but I think it's a little bit hard to rely on those guys from week to week basis. That does kind of all make it suggest even more so that there's nothing they can do to stop Hopkins. And if Hopkins wants to have 15 catches this game, he could. Well, that's going to do it for our week six preview. Make sure to check out jwbfantasyfootball.com for all of our articles, rankings, and projections. And you can find the podcast there as well. Talk to us on Twitter. I'm at WyattB underscore FF. Justin's at JWill underscore FF. And the show is at JWB underscore FF. And we'll talk to you next time. As always, thanks for listening and happy week six.